You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Downers, welcome to the show. Today is a special day. It's special because today's guest is probably the most excited I've been to talk to somebody and have the opportunity to talk to somebody. Now, my guest today is James Barrett, and you may not know his name, but I'll tell you why he's important or important to me. Um, The topic is artificial intelligence, and that is just my favorite pet topic. And I, you know, I approach that topic as a hobby. It's just my, it's the most fun thing for me to think about is technology in the future and specifically artificial intelligence. Now, James Barrett wrote a book called Our Final Invention, Artificial Intelligence and the End of the Human Era. And the thing is amazing. So I I hope you'll read the book. I did it on audiobook and it's just, what a trip to, to go through it. But the whole book serves basically as a warning for what artificial intelligence is, what it could mean, how it works. And James Barrett isn't uh, a scientist by trade or anything. He is a documentary filmmaker. He's made a bunch of films. And so what he does is deeply go into topics and learn about them and cover them. He became interested in artificial intelligence and then interviewed the people uh, and spent a lot of time learning about it and then wrote this book, which is exciting and fun and phenomenal, and you'll learn a lot from doing it. Uh, and it's an important book. Uh, this is a book that inspired... that. I, this is a book that Elon Musk read before he came out publicly and said, artificial intelligence is a big worry and a concern and something we need to to think about. And so this book is partly or largely even possibly what got Elon Musk to think about it, which is in turn what got a lot of the general public to start thinking about this topic. So again, for me to get to talk to James Barrett is very, very exciting. So I didn't have a full hour with him, but we had a pretty good amount of time and had a really, uh, an interesting conversation that, that I got a lot out of. Uh, and I got into, I found this whole thing from Rob Reed, who was on the podcast a while back. So you might want to go back and check out the Rob Reed episode. But uh, this has been really fun for me to get to talk to people like this and, and do this podcast. So if you're enjoying it, uh, great. And, and maybe you want to go over to our Facebook page and join that discussion group there we're getting it going but it's free you don't have to be a member of the patreon or support with anything financial you can just go join the break it down facebook group and uh, hopefully we'll share articles and topics and stuff like that over in that area and of course i do have a patreon if you want to support this type of conversation and this stuff and as i always say uh check out emorymusic.com we've got a couple things going on in emory world that is Tour dates coming up for about $10 a piece. That's in the Northeast very soon. And we also have a new album of uh, revisited Emory classics that we've reimagined and redone in a full production way. There's a couple of singles out on Spotify now, or you can just wait till November 17th and the whole thing will be there. But we're just trying to push all our fans to go listen to Emory on Spotify. We just want to get in the habit of that. So don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel bad. You go stream. We'll get a half a cent every time you do. And you can check out our new music there uh the album is called revival and there's two songs up now so go follow that playlist and be a follower of emory on spotify all right here we go we're going to talk to james barrett let's do it break it down dada break it down oh break it down break it down oh break it down break it down oh break it Break it down, oh, break it down. 
James, yeah. this really is a treat for me to be able to spend some time with you today. So I just want to thank you very much. I just got through the book. Uh, I actually did audiobooks. Audiobooks is totally my thing as a podcast guy. And I don't uh-huh. do a ton of regular reading, but whenever I get intensely interested in something and I can find an audiobook on it, I'm just, uh, it's just my favorite thing in the world. And this topic of artificial intelligence is just become without a doubt my favorite topic my favorite thing to think about is the future and technology and stuff like that although i come i'm a musician by trade and just do podcasting and conversation kind of stuff so i don't uh-huh. i don't i don't know what what it is about uh about this topic that's so interesting to me and then i thought it's really interesting in the book how you wind up identifying. I was halfway through the book when you identified in there that it's almost this cult-like thing of smart white guys that get so into artificial intelligence. And I was like, wait, oh, <laughs> I'm falling into that trap. I guess that's like me too. So, um, But thank you for spending time with me today. Sure thing. Now, I think it's weird, though, uh, of a thing because people like me can get so sucked into it and just quite interested and just, just living in the thought life of, of this stuff is very fun, but it's very hard to convince other people that it's not just some nerdy pursuit, playing Dungeons and Dragons and being into sci-fi and stuff like that. So for instance, I was trying to explain it to my dad and he just kind of dismisses the thing out of hand as, well, that's not a big deal. It's not a concern. Those scientists, they think they know everything and then it always turns out that they don't know what they're talking about anyway. He's just geeking out on something. So you know, that's that's. I think that's a pretty common perception. Uh, is that your experience? That's hard to get people to take this seriously. Uh, actually, no. I, I haven't found that to be the case because we're surrounded by AI. You know, mm-hmm. AI is in, is in our phones. It's in our navigation uh, software. It's in our, the you know photo ID. It it it's in uh, voice recognition. We're we're always. We're always uh, dictating to our phones, or we're or we're yeah. asking our phones to take us somewhere. So, AI is really all around us. I don't have a problem with. I mean, I don't have um, an issue with people uh, not taking it seriously. I, I I do have. I it is a little bit harder for people to think that it's that it's very dangerous. Okay. I think yes, that's that's, 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 right. that's the big jump they have. But they know, you know, you can't go anywhere without running into Amazon Echo uh, sure. or all all the digital assistants, Siri. Uh, Google Now, mm-hmm. it's become ubiquitous. You know, it's 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 become. We're in an AI revolution. It's become part of all our lives. Mm-hmm. But that, but so, I, st- I guess people still jump. I think, and, and if they're not as familiar with it, to thinking about you know a general intelligence or an ASI, you know, a super intelligent one sure. or one that's conscious. That's the one that I think people immediately go to and and would like to dismiss for whatever reason. Well, I'm not. You know, I don't. I I'm not sure. I accept con- the whole idea of consciousness in a machine. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm not sure. You know, consciousness is a whole other continent. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a whole other subject on its own. You know, mm-hmm. it's not clear to me or to a lot of AI makers that consciousness is a prerequisite for human level intelligence or or beyond. Right, which would be the so, weirdest thing of all if you we did have a super intelligent uh, machine that didn't have any consciousness. That's almost a more bizarre thing to contemplate. Like it could go on. In for in infinity and be self sustaining and not have any thought of its own real feelings or thoughts or consciousness. That that's a really that's right. Yeah, I don't think I don't think we'll ever have uh, 
a clear understanding of any interior life mm-hmm. of a machine, no matter how intelligent. Yeah. So even whether it did or didn't seems almost like a, a black box. Like you wouldn't, it would be able to behave in such a way that you would certainly believe that it was conscious if you use all your yes. intuitions, but it, it may not be because all it would be doing is emulating something. It would certainly have the capacity to emulate consciousness to you beyond the shadow of a doubt, but that still mm-hmm. wouldn't tell you if it had it or was simply emulating what it knows that we would think. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So you do find this to be a a danger and a fear, and that is that is the aim of your book is to wake people up or to describe to them or get them to take seriously the the progress yeah. and the possibility of artificial intelligence and what it could mean. That's right. You know, AI makers, the people who are making AI, are not really great communicators, mm-hmm. and uh, scientists generally have 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 a hard time writing in, in simple, plain language. Um. The dangers of AI, there, there are short-term and long-term dangers. The short-term dangers are things like battlefield robots and, and drones that are autonomous, that kill people without a human in the loop. And these are being developed right now. Um, we have to think carefully about the ethics of self-driving cars. Uh, we'll, be, um, we'll all be in self-driving cars within a few years. They'll take a lot of jobs, a lot of jobs away from drivers, truck drivers, deliver, delivery people. Those are, those are some of the short-term issues. In the long-term... As Stephen Hawking said, in the short term, yet we have to worry about who controls the AI. Mm-hmm. In the long term, we have to worry about whether it can be controlled at all. Mm-hmm. So, if uh, the book came out, was it 2014? Your book published 2013. 2013. 2013. So, yeah. I'm curious of what things have changed, if any, since then, because when we're talking about this exponential pace and yeah. the speeding up of stuff, a lot can even happens in three years. So I think there was a couple of predictions in the book that were hovering around 2019, if I remember. I can't remember exactly what they were. And I want to know uh, how have you updated some of that stuff, or is it look, you know, how's that feeling, even just it's a hard, few years? I, I, I take any kind of prediction about when we create human-level intelligence in the mm-hmm. machine. I take all that with a, a bit of a grain of salt. But things are developing really, really rapidly. Um, when I wrote the book in 2013, a machine could not tell the difference between a cat and a dog. The mm-hmm. o- object recognition was very primitive. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, machines recognize objects with greater accuracy than we do. That's right. And that happened probably one or two years after after I wrote the book. Uh, games like Go, Go is an Asian uh, game that's that's thousands upon thousands of times more complex than chess. There are so many more board positions. AI experts thought that AI wouldn't beat Go for 10 years, but AI has, has defeated the best Go champions. Mm-hmm. Not, not to mention Jeopardy. I, I, I wasn't quite as surprised uh, by Jeopardy because Jeopardy is really just a lot of language, rec- language uh, uh, parsing and understanding and then, um, and then search. Mm-hmm. But, but Go is, 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 is a bigger accomplishment. It involves um, really kind of intuition and... Um, great uh, strategic ability. Mm-hmm. So uh, neural nets have, 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 you know, there are a bunch of things that have, that have happened. Artificial neural nets have really taken the front seat of on AI techniques. And really in 2013, there were people were just getting excited about neural nets again. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I say things, things are, things are, are happening very, very quickly. Can you help me understand and everybody else understand exactly what a neural network is? That's a, some type of, of building sure. technology and learning that is more modeled after the way our brains work. It would be the shortest yes, way I yes. can say it. That's, that's, a good way to, that's a good way to put it. Um, it was uh, artificial neural nets. Really, um, they, uh, they're 
they operate on statistical probability and they recognize uh, patterns. And they're uh, layers of recognition uh, in, in software. So, for example, I'll tell you, it's easier to tell you what it can do. Mm-hmm. So you could feed, feed the, uh, the, um, the artificial neural net a lot of French to English translation, good French to English translation. Then you, later, once you've done, it, done thousands of volumes, uh, fed, it in, fed it in as an input, it becomes a perfect translator. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, neural nets are being used right now for simultaneous translation. Um, which is you basically you'll speak into a phone and then to to someone in France and your your uh, your speech will be translated simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, it it also works with object recognition. It works with a whole a whole lot. Of, it works it works it works with business analytics. Mm-hmm. So you put put a lot of unstructured data into this uh, machine and then get out uh, uh, pretty fine tuned analysis. So it's doing the actual analysis of what works and doesn't work or how common certain things are. And it's just, it's just making associations between different data points and then once significant things arise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once it's learned, once it's had a training period uh, on a lot of analytics and a lot of, uh, a lot of um, uh, data of virtually any kind, mm-hmm. then it becomes an expert essentially in that, in that data or it becomes an expert in that job. They'll be using artificial neural nets to uh, for self-driving cars, and they'll be training them on uh, like car-like video games, and then ultimately on the highways. And then they'll be they'll be uh, in, shortly they'll be better drivers than you and me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it certainly seems the case. So, in computer vision is a neural net. Is that work on that uh, base? You know, some does. Object recognition does. Uh, computer vision is is just a. a, a Object recognition is a part of computer vision. Mm-hmm. Not all of computer vision is based on neural nets. Neural nets is a hot thing right now because it was the uh, neural nets and reinforcement learning are the techniques that were used to uh, to defeat Go, mm-hmm. uh, to defeat a lot of video games, which sounds like uh, kind of a toy problem or a um, not a real test of intelligence, but it turns out to be they turn out to be uh, quite accomplished at understanding mm-hmm. games, and then ultimately they'll be accomplish it understanding the environment around them yeah well i mean the significant thing about that game thing is people always dismiss games but when we talk about games and strategy those things those things go all the way up to uh the cold war and the world leaders and world powers using in fact people that i believe it would be the case that people who are good at poker and strategy and probably go and chess make you know wind up being the political leaders commanding nuclear arsenals and they go through these game theory scenarios to figure out best ways to manipulate you know world politics so if a computer gets good at that that's almost inevitably how it'll be used right that's exactly one of the dangers um stephen hawking said uh in the future, artificial intelligence will be, be able to outmaneuver our our uh, our smartest politicians, which is kind mm-hmm. of a low bar. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's 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 exactly right. Anything that can be converted to a to a, to a strategic uh, game or strategic um, challenge, world this, domination, right? This seems to well, you know, that's what that's what Putin said. He said, um, uh, Vladimir Putin said not too long ago. Uh, that whoever controls AI controls the world. And oh, he's Putin not, said that. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, no, he said no. He t- and he talked about it a, co- a couple of times recently. If if you Google Putin and AI, he talks about um, battlefield robots, mm-hmm. autonomous battlefield robots. He also talks about um, autonomous drones. Mm-hmm. 
So whoever loses, whoever's got the better uh, autonomous uh, army is, is going to win the next war. Yeah, and we have that's, a lot of that out there now. Yeah. Um, are there swarm drones that can encapsulate like a naval fleet? And you know, and I, I read that recently that there's these you know types of drones that can manage sure. naval ships and contain them, you know, with no human intervention out in the sea and stuff like that. I, I don't think that's. I think that's on the drawing board. I don't think mm -hmm. that's happening yet. Um, there are there are plans to make uh, you know giant hives of, of drones mm -hmm. that can attack. So then this is very dangerous. I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying we really need to not weaponize AI. It's very reminiscent if, you know, back in the 1920s and 30s, people talked about splitting the atom mm -hmm. as a way you get free energy. Uh, and then this period of utopia follows. Split the atom, get free energy, everything will be great. But splitting the atom uh, is nuclear fission. And, and it's what led us to, uh, it's what led us to, um, uh, atom bombs. Mm -hmm. and basically, the, there was no there was no maintenance plan for that technology, so we ended up weaponizing it really quickly, and then we held a gun at our own heads with the nuclear arms race for fifty years, and we're still doing it with North Korea. Yeah, there's absolutely. no plan for that technology, and we we need a better plan for this one. Well, it's just you know you just take this species of human, which we are, and we have our certain liabilities and problems, and then we keep increasing the available power to us, and you know every time we increase some amount of power there's a negative outcomes of that and you know this this one could be like it's your book it's called you know our final invention uh this could be that this could be this could be it so how concerned are you how much time do you and other people dedicate to this in uh, in a way that's like spread the message it's super important or it's just something to think about how seriously what case can you make that everybody needs to take this seriously or how to think about it well considering I mean, it's 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 as if uh, every it's as if every major uh, AI corporation and country uh, had a had a uh, unregulated nuclear power plant mm -hmm. and unregulated nuclear weapons. That's how serious it is. I wrote my book for so that everybody could understand. And I took uh, I, I, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a documentary filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I have been for many years. And what we do is make complicated ideas fairly easy to understand. And so I try to take uh, AI, which can be pretty dense and pretty complicated, and make it make the, the the basic ideas in it and the basic idea about AI risk simple to understand. Um, I think it's 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 the big as 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 Elon Musk said. I think it's the biggest existential threat facing us. I think mm -hmm. even worse than climate change, worse than an asteroid strike, worse than nuclear weapons. We've got to worry about um, machines. Uh, basically getting out of our control in the next, you know, 20 to 30 years. 20, 30 years. And and that's yeah. not all just the Terminator scenario. There's many more narrow and sub-super-intelligent powers that we're about to unlock that are far from AGI or ASI that would still be quite dangerous. And you mentioned well, Elon yeah. Musk there. I would love for people to know and point out that Elon Musk read and has recommended your book. Uh, and I think, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you know him or met him, but it seems that your book has been the influential thing to cause people like him to actually take this cause up and, and speak about it and bring it into the public view. There are, uh, there are a couple of books. I can't take all the credit. There's a book by Nick Bostrom called mm -hmm. Superintelligence that's been very influential. Um, and be behind that, there's a lot of people who've been thinking these thoughts for a long time. Mine was just one of the first books to come out. The, the, 
the zeitgeist or the the, the, the uh, social awareness of this has been building for some time. Mm-hmm. You know, so Stephen Hawking came out about the same time my book was published and said, you know, we're in danger of, of wiping ourselves out with with uh, with artificial intelligence. Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, uh, Bill Gates, the, founder, the richest man in the world, the founder of Microsoft, all these guys said AI is pretty great in the short term when we have all these cool toys. Uh, in the long term, we have to be worried about keeping it under control. Mm-hmm. Um, let's discuss that a little bit, the whole idea of keeping it under control. One of the craziest things to me is uh, the notion of how it could, I hadn't thought about it until recently, that you think you could contain it simply by just not having it connected to the internet. Let's say the government developed a AGI and it was just contained in a lockdown facility that had no connections to the outside. And sure. if that was true, of course it couldn't get out, right? Well, um, if just for your audience sake, AGI is artificial general mm-hmm. intelligence, and that's human level intelligence in a machine. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the futurists are guessing that problem will be solved by around 2029. Mm-hmm. So uh, the tr- the thing is, these these cognitive architectures are already on the internet. Uh, IBM's Watson isn't a uh, a machine in a in a in a in a room anymore. It's it's in the cloud. It's in it's uh, distributed among a lot of a lot of different data and processing centers. Any sufficiently advanced uh, computer cognitive architecture won't be in one place anymore. Mm-hmm. So it won't ever be as simple as unplugging it. It won't ever be as simple as putting it in a in a cage. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you put it in a cage, you know, it's just a matter of time before it would it would think its way out. It yes. Would, uh, as as you know, and it it will never it'll the the way things are going with how people are developing these systems, um, it won't ever be in one central location. Mm-hmm. That that makes sense. But even oh, I love the analogy in the book, which is like if you yeah. became awake and you were being imprisoned by rats in a jail cell somewhere, and you could communicate to them, and you had the amount of intelligence you have relative to them, or I guess toddlers would be another, you know, kind of four-year-olds or something. You wouldn't be that worried about it, the fact they had you in a cage. You would figure out a way to manipulate them into letting you out with cheese, cheese recipes, tell them (laughs) what you would do to make their lives so good because you're super powerful. You could go, just let me out, and I'll do this or that. You could trick them into letting you out. You could, who knows, hypnotize them. You you know, you could make some, uh, one scenario would be like it could make some electrical signal and create its own network with some technology or chemistry that we don't even understand. And then, Well, they've shown that you can break into networks with sound. Um, it, we have to we have to come to grips with the idea that once we make something that's uh, self more or less self aware and self improving, and by self aware I don't mean self conscious. Self aware for a computer could be something as simple as knowing a lot about its own coding and then knowing a lot about its environment. Mm-hmm. But once you get something that's human level intelligent and can code as well as we can, mm-hmm. and then then it can do. Uh, artificial intelligence research and development, and it will be able to do it faster than we can. Once we hit that that inflection point, uh, the rate of uh, it, it will improve its own intelligence faster than we could. And so then we have to get used to the idea that we'll be sharing the planet with something that's a thousand or a million times more intelligent than we are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's think about animals that aren't as intelligent as we are. Even the smartest ones, you know, the great apes, uh, chimpanzees, gorillas, dolphins. They're they're all endangered. They're all in zoos, or they're they're being eaten, or they're they're being confined to tiny parts of the planet, and ultimately it will become extinct. Um, 
we don't have any reason to think that a, a super intelligent machine would have any particular uh, sentimentality about us. Mm -hmm. Yes, it may, you know, it, it, that you, people would say, well, you could program that sentimentality into it then. If we're creating it, right, it'd be created on our values, so thus we can pro yeah, program it to protect us. Yes, and that's say. actually, that, that's the challenge of our, of our time. That's the challenge of our time. If we can't do that, if we fail to do that, we're going to lose the uh, the intelligence race. Mm -hmm. But it turns out to be very, very tricky. And that's what um, their groups like MIRI, the Machine Intelligence Research Institute on the West Coast, and there's uh, the Future of Life Institute at uh, in Boston. And these are organizations that are trying to, in MIRI's case, trying to create friendly AI that's imbued with our values. And then in uh, the Future of Life Institute's case, they're trying to make sure that AI is developed with proper safeguards. Mm -hmm. And so, so it becomes a race. There you go, right right away. Yeah, and and like you, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Uh, but yeah, it, it's exactly a race. And I used to think it was a race between Google and Amazon and Facebook and Baidu in China and Google, all these guys who are trying to make really, really uh, smart products and to make them very quickly. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's also a, a race among countries, among nations, mm -hmm. um, between U U.S., China, and Russia, really. And it's, back, it's almost back to the old arms race. And they have the capabilities there. Like, I mean, you mentioned Putin earlier, and there's a, a whole other part of the, the book that, that talks about cyber crime, for instance. And this, is, again, yeah. is back in 2013. And now we've seen Russia be very, very up on and big on cyber as far as cyber attacks yeah, and cyber manipulations yeah. and stuff. So yeah. they seem to be well, on point over there in Russia. Yeah, they, they really are. They're, they're combining cyber attacks with social engineering. You know, they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're publishing a lot of scary, bad uh, fake news, and uh, they they steered our last election. So mm -hmm. they've combined, uh, you know, malware, bad software with social engineering. It's just a matter of time before they combine malware with AI and make really bad uh, software. We're we're starting to use AI as a defensive tool against attacks. Mm -hmm. China is is really they've stated we part of their. Their 10-year plan or 12-year plan is to be dominant in AI by 2030. So, scary. you know, this is a really serious race. This is, uh, unfortunately, it's we're back in sort of the arms race territory again. Yes, and it seems like that's unavoidable. Like, there's no way to regulate it because, again, other foreign countries and other people just will beat you to it if we clamp down on our regulations. It seems like yes. so. I don't know. Uh, what I think, I hope people can get a grip on what it means, the race part of it. If it, even a head start of, you know, you'd say an hour or a few days would be unbelievable if that threshold was ever crossed. Because, like you said, the thing could be a thousand or a million times smarter than us, and its speed yeah. is so much. So, uh, could you give help me give the analogy that it'd be like as soon as you had the thing, it'd be like you could turn loose a thousand of the most brilliant researchers for so x right. amount of time, and that would happen well, in seconds. On, on yeah. I'll give, you, I'll, I'll give you a sense of what it's like. Um, Ray Kurzweil, who's a brilliant man, is working for Google now on their uh, on their on their artificial brain project, and he's 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 been an inventor for his whole life. He's he's a, he won the Thomas Edison Award. He's invented many many terrific uh, products, but he wants to create a machine that makes three hundred trillion calculations per second, and to share that with um, a billion people online. So, and he wants to do that. He thinks he can do that by 2029. So 300 tr trillion calculations per second is roughly what we estimate our brains can do. Mm -hmm. It's actually probably more than what our brains can do. So um, he's got this target. He's got this target firmly in mind. 
once once you've got one of those, you know, once you've got that online, then you could make um, you could you can multiply. You can make just like right now, you can go on Amazon Web Services and create instances, which are you can uh, rent a lot of processors to mm-hmm. to, to to put on, to 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 help manipulate your data, to help do, do work with your data. And you can create basically a virtual supercomputer to do that by buying additional instances or uh, time time with certain processors. What Kurzweil is proposing is the same sort of thing, uh, Amazon Web Services, but with but with super intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so then you could take, um, you know, imagine any problem like uh, drug research, cancer research, um, climate change, all those things you could, you could, Put a thousand PhD quality minds on these problems that work, and they work on them twenty four seven. But you can also put put those minds on the problem of weapons development. Right. Um, as Stephen Hawking said, superintelligence will create machines, will create weapons that we don't even understand. It might be surprising if you had that intelligence and it had any of its own will, or even if it was programmed. You would. Yeah. It'd be hard pressed to imagine that if you could put a thousand intelligences together and work 24-7 on a problem, they might choose to the problem of making themselves even more intelligent. Yes. Which exactly. is, a, that's a runaway situation then. Right. And that's, and that's something that I talk about in, in my book. We have this uh, sense of computers that they'll be benign, that we, we program them and they just follow orders. But a lot of, um, so, you know, a lot of smart researchers have come up with, uh, have c- concluded that, Superintelligent machines will have basic drives, and the drives. I won't go. I won't go into the. the I won't go into the rational agent economic theory that, that results in those drives. But so those drives um, are uh, things like resource acquisition. They'll they'll want resources mm-hmm. to achieve their goals. They won't want to be turned off, so they'll be self protective. They won't want anyone to try to limit their limit their uh, goal achievement, so they'll be self protective. They'll be creative, which is sort of this open ended. Uh, uh, description, but 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 they'll be creative about about getting better at at uh, achieving their goals and gathering resources. And part of being creative would be to improve their own intelligence. Mm-hmm. They would definitely they would definitely take up artificial intelligence research and development. And by then, anyway, we'll be having computers do a lot of our programming because as we're starting to do right now. Yes. So programming becomes just something that the, even computers do directly. You could describe it yes. to them, and they would be building it on the fly. For instance, is something. And that that, ha- that happens right now with mm-hmm. um, a kind of uh, a computer uh, process called evolutionary algorithms. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, neural nets are also going to be. You know, the most recent uh, thing that's happened with neural nets, AlphaGo was the name of the uh, the the the. Uh, suite of software that defeated go AlphaGo zero uh just just did better than that it's an it's a new program from DeepMind. DeepMind is owned by google and it beat go without ever seeing a game before it 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 uh it learned the rules and then it um gradually it played against itself mm-hmm. in a new in a in a in an, an interesting technique that where a uh a computer starts um reinforces its, its correct decisions and then um, plays against subsets of its own of its own algorithm to get better and better. Yeah. So, and that's that's really kind of frightening because you can see, you know, you're, you're taking humans out of the loop and you're you're letting uh, computers develop on their own. And there's many computer 
artificial intelligences right now that we currently do not understand how they work, but they do work. But the inside of them well, is kind of yeah, yeah. opaque well, to us. Some, yeah, exactly. Some people know how they work. I mean, uh, the, the algorithms that buy and sell stocks on Wall Street are incredibly complicated, so no one person really understands them. Uh, but neural nets are black box systems, just like evolutionary algorithms are black box systems. And basically, you know about the data that you're putting into it. You know your inputs, and you know the, the outputs. You know if it's doing good French to English translation or not. But you don't, we don't really know what's going on inside. We know that there's, there's a, a lot of uh, categorization going on, a lot of um, statistical, uh, a lot of um, statistical sorting. Mm -hmm. But we can't, we don't, but it's happening uh, very, very quickly. It's happening in deeper and deeper layers. And so we can't stop at any point and say, okay, here's exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now that's fine. That's fine for, for, for most applications. But when, we, when it comes down to really sensitive applications, like driving a car, we're going to have to be able to play that tape back like a black, you know, like a, like a, like a literal black box and know exactly what happened because there'll be fatalities, there'll be problems, there'll mm -hmm. be tort cases. And we're going to have to be able to, uh, see what's going on in these black box systems in a high resolution way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And right, now, right now we can't. So it's like, especially when you talk about evolutionary algorithms or evolutionary learning or however you phrase that, that's really interesting because you take that processing power that you're describing that just continues to build and build and build. And then there's some method there of using just random mutations or alterations or iterations and just seeing what sticks and happening at such a speed. Like how many things can I test today? Like I have an idea. Let me try tw 22 different ways today, but a computer supercomputer could try 22 billion in a second and then try a bunch of random uh, alterations that, that aren't even calculated or forethought. They're just random trials and then something's going to emerge very, very quickly from that. And that's, that's pretty scary. Yeah. You, you've, 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 you said that very well. It's um, really, it's uh, computers harnessing the power of evolution. In turbo um, speed with focused yeah, goals, it's, it's, not, not it's random. Faster. Faster than nature. Yeah. Faster than nature. But yeah. with directed goals in mind, too, which evolution is yep. typically un, more so unguided or naturally guided, at least. Right. So, right. Yeah. So that, that, that one scares me. <laughs> well, it, it's, uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is, it's, I, I, my goal is not to make everyone down on AI mm -hmm. because I think AI is a fascinating tool or set of tools. And I think it could potentially do us a lot of good and it will in the short term. Mm -hmm. um, but we have to we have to recognize it for what it is, and that's a dual use technology, capable of great harm and great good. Mm -hmm. So that's what we have to wake up to, and we have to treat it accordingly, or we'll slip, you know, right right into the abyss. If we protect ourselves well, we should be able to solve stuff like global warming, though. Does that sound reasonable? Like twenty twenty nine, we're still here, and we've got some good stuff going. Maybe a little bit after that, and we can put these. I, you know, I think we've, I think we've solved global warming. We know what causes it. We just don't have the will to change. Okay. Um, you know, if we, uh, you know, we have, we have people in, in government that still don't, don't, don't think it exists. Mm -hmm. we, we were not, you know, there, there's some problems that we aren't smart enough to solve, even though we know, we know the answer. Mm -hmm. So I think it could, it could give us the best, it would give us, you know, it could help us fine tune our strategy if we had the will to, uh, to mm -hmm. do something about global warming. But right now we're just, we're as helpless as children. Uh, because you know, half of us just don't 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 think it exists. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to. That's the problem of being human is we don't have 
I mean, we're not that smart. <laughs> we're only we're only as smart as we are, and most you know most of us don't have the grasp on th- th- these b- super broad <laughs> things. Most people are just living their lives, and so they're not thinking about yeah. global warming or AI either one. In fact, it's a lot. They have a lot of reinforcement and reward in the way their brain is structured to not think about them. That's right, and that's right. It's it's a there are um, you're hitting on another really good subject that I I wish I knew I wish I knew more about. But we have, we we walk around with cognitive biases. We have an mm-hmm. inability to. Uh, grasp certain ideas and um, one of them is that things that the technology advances exponentially as Ray Kurzweil likes to say we're used to seeing a uh, we see a uh, an antelope go across the savannah and we it, it doesn't it doesn't go you know slowly go slow then fast then fast then super fast then super super fast mm-hmm. then the speed of light you know we, we expect things to move at a, at a regular pace but technology doesn't mm-hmm. and so you know that's why we we've got a window right now in which to uh, try and make AI safe, but that window is going to close pretty quickly. Is is it? I may be lost because I've consumed a bunch of different sources in the last year. But one of the analogies that may have been in your book was something about flight going from how the Wright brothers, you know, did the first yeah. flight. Is that in your book? Yeah, or, yeah. Could you run it's me a, through that one real quick because it illustrates sure. what you just said about it's the antelope. Neat, it's well, it's a neat uh, it's a neat thought experiment because we. We expect um, AI that computers will be like us since we programmed them. But here's, here's sort of why they won't be. Um, Guy Ferrucci, who is the head of Team Watson, which is a really impressive machine. Team Watson mm-hmm. is the machine that um, beat the world champions at Jeopardy, this game involving mm-hmm. uh, common sense and puzzles and word, word games and all this, and sports and history and movies. And somebody asked him, does Watson think? And he said, do, do submarines swim? Mm-hmm. And what he meant was this. Uh, the people who developed submarines took some basic principles of swimming from fish, but then they made something that goes swims farther and faster and carries a huge payload. It's not really like fish, but it, but it, it, it does more in a way. It's, it, it's, uh, it's a giant, powerful machine. The people that invented, you know, do airplanes fly? Well, they, they don't fly like birds, but mm-hmm. the... The pioneers of flight thought about birds when they thought about how to make airplanes. Mm-hmm. But now we've got something that flies farther and faster, carries a huge payload, can stay in the air indefinitely, doesn't reproduce, doesn't, you know, it aren't pretty like birds, but um, are extremely powerful. Yeah. What do computers think? Well, <clears throat> we're not making uh, simulations of our own brains. We're making things that are that are bigger and stronger, will fly farther and faster, carry more weight, do more things. Mm-hmm. And they won't be any more uh, like us than airplanes are like birds or submarines are like fish. Yes. And it progresses fast, too. The Wright brothers flew, what, they fly a couple hundred feet? And then how many years, with the technology yeah. we had at the time, were we on the moon with flight? Like, right. There was that, yeah. and then we're on the moon. Like, so it's not like, that's, the, that's a picture of exponential development of a technology like that. And that's, gra- you know. Yeah, when my grandmother was born, people went around on horses, and when she died, people had been on the moon. So mm-hmm. that, that was a... That was a very rapid, uh, and computers are even more so. They're really a, a, a because of Moore's law and other other the law and just law the law of accelerating returns. Um, you know, it's not just the computers are developing fast, but all the things that we develop with computers are are thereby developing fast mm-hmm. and faster. So um, t- technology is especially in the digital age is even faster than most. Technological advances. Absolutely. I'll be mindful of your time here, but I do have one other thought that just plagues me sure. through this whole thing, and that is that uh, 
if humans are flawed in the way that they seem to be, or I, you, we can acknowledge, and then you have people like Kurzweil, who seems to be really big on preserving his own life, and, and a lot of these people uh-huh. seem to have this real strong thing to just self-preserve or encode us into a computer. Maybe that's possible. Maybe it's not. I, I guess that remains to be seen. But, you know, there's some there's some future of humans that isn't what <laughs> isn't what it, you would think it would have been a, a while ago and that I think people are going to wake up to but are there people out there and what about the notion that this is just evolution and w- we can just embrace the fact that these things are going to be better and smarter than us and they should just go on ahead with it <laughs> like who's to say that I mean what, what you we know should, what about us yeah. we're just the bad guys here we're just let them go on well, and do their thing I don't know hey, maybe maybe we are as relevant as as right. uh, the the Neanderthals, yeah. you know, maybe uh, we'll lose our, our relevancy and our primacy, and why not just get out of the way? Yeah, exactly. Like, so, I mean, we, this was uh, our job, was to get it to here so that the thing could keep on going. That's, that's you know, that's exactly the idea of 2001 A Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. the book and the movie, was about <clears throat> the, ultimate, the ultimate phase of evolution is, uh, are these godlike uh, creatures mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that can move around the universe at, at will. <clears throat> so, you know... I'm I'm a little uh, I'm I'm human centric. I'm biased. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I would too. rather us. Yeah, I would <laughs> I would rather uh, you know us be in charge f- for the future, or maybe us with machines. But I don't want to see machines take us over, and that's why you know I, that's why I'm a I'm a advocate for the safe and thoughtful development of AI. Mm-hmm. But but uh, you think with the you know, attraction to the people, like you said, there's the, almost this cult-like thing where it turns into a religion, yeah. which is really insane uh, to me because I come from a religious <laughs> background and I've been very tied up into that, seeking answers. And then when, when you laid out how these people seem to be very religious about it, it's like, oh, crap, I don't want to <laughs> get down, suck down that. But that really, they really are obsessed with basically creating an all-powerful in- entity or it would be seemingly all-powerful to us. And it would also promises everlasting life i think that's just insane well yeah yeah well a lot of a lot of the uh a lot of the memes of religion are present in some of the some of the singularity conversation Mm -hmm. 10 years ago it was more pronounced the people were there were much more there were more people who were sort of on the singularity bandwagon and they did all these religious things like they didn't you know they they uh they rejected the life of the flesh they rejected our, our our bodies and said Yes, the spaghetti code of our brains could be improved upon. These these weak, frail bodies could be improved upon. Why not? Why not meld with machines? Uh, and then we'll. And then part of it is then we'll live forever. Right. And uh, so I think you know I, I don't I don't have a you know I don't I don't have a real problem with that because to me uh, it's it's just another religion to mm-hmm. me. But I don't want. Uh, I think that 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 makes them. Uh, bias towards machines and doesn't make them good critics or observers mm-hmm. that's of what's true. going on. Yeah, it's so, you're so right about that. Even the language of, oh, that's the flesh, and the flesh is not sustainable, and we don't care. That's all the right. religious language. That's all the Christian language of, oh, oh, that's of the world and of the flesh, and those things will pass away, and we will live yeah. forever, and this is the means, and we are going to create it. It's crazy. Yeah. it's Well, it's, you know, to me, I, I've, I, I, I think it's, 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 I don't it is. It is. It is. It is worrisome. I would mm-hmm. say. I would, I would say it's crazy because I. I kind of think all religions are a little nuts. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think. Uh, I you know I don't like to see technology and religion get mixed together because mm-hmm. then you can't you can't critique it. If you have uh, 
if, if you're counting on this technology to make you live forever, then you're not going to be a, a sober critic of it. Yes, and that Kurzweil seems in that camp. I mean, that right? I mean, he seems like a little bit obsessed with. Well, some I think weird he stuff started there. the movement. He started the movement, mm-hmm. but I think he's I, I think he's backed off it uh, lately. I think he's much more of a he's back to being a technologist and not a spiritual leader. Good, <laughs> probably a good thing. He's working at Google, which tells you what they're up to. But that's I think that's yeah. significant that he would go work for them and they would want him yeah. there developing that stuff. So it's going to be really, really interesting. Uh, but you think we'll see some wild stuff just in the next, like, is, do, uh, I'm sorry, last thing I want to know is I read sure. that lots of people that know a lot about this topic that are wealthy and scientists and stuff like that have like these off the grid places <laughs> where they would go live. Is that true? Do you think there's more known in the scientific and behind these closed doors than do you think there's some real secretive stuff that we just don't, people like me don't know about? It's not secret. Um you know, I, I interviewed a lot of people, and some of the very richest had, uh, uh, you know, were thinking about this in terms of um, what if we lose the electric grid? Right. What if the internet collapses? What if our, our grid collapses? And uh, what if, or what if AI gets out of control? And a lot of them have bug out houses. And I was I was thinking this is weird, and I didn't really want to write about it. And I didn't donate uh, much real estate to that in the book or in interviews. Mm-hmm. But then the New Yorker came out with a uh, a full a full uh, a full um, long article about all the technology uh, leaders who have bug out houses. Wow! <laughs> and I thought I should have written about it because then they scooped me on that. But I knew about it a long time ago. So yes, I think that a lot of people accept that something uh, that that something bad could happen. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not really a conspiracy. It's just. Uh, it's just, you know, I think if you have a lot of disposable income, you finally, you ultimately get around to the idea that maybe I should live off, maybe I should have a way to live off the grid. Mm-hmm. No, that's true for, I guess, multiple reasons and everything, but uh, quite interesting topic. I imagine we will see some disasters, but they may not be the immediate t- Terminator takeover, of course, which you have to inoculate people against. But things like right. tax on the power grid would be very easy way before we have AGI, for instance, and stuff like yes. that. So we will see what we would call disasters. They won't be natural disasters, I suppose. They'd be artificial disasters, but that that we will see. I mean, and and in the you would say within the decade we'll see some problems with AI that are stuff like terrorism and disasters and power and grid problems stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I think I think we I think I think we will see that and I'm hoping that we get uh that it it chastens us and makes us wiser. Or, and, that or, opp- and that we have an opportunity to 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 still have an opportunity to make make safeguards. But well the danger of that is if there is something that causes the loss of life for Americans that a, a you know government takeover and shut down and and add all this new stuff and lack of privacy and regulations which would be maybe not the best you know there could be a negative response to the first major disaster we have but maybe mm-hmm. it'll wake us up I'm not sure which of those would happen. It's hard to predict the future. Mm-hmm. It sure is. <laughs> Uh, wow. Well, thank you for your time today, James. I really, uh, I really enjoyed just thinking on the subject, and I'm glad. I hope more people that listen to the show and stuff can just start to think about it, because I think that's probably the best thing to do is just have it be on more people's radar as it, you know, yeah. just as our civilization continues to grow. It's about all exactly. we can hope for at the at the moment. Exactly. If it's, if it's on more people's radar, they 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 know what's coming, and they can they can talk to their politicians. Yep. And do you do you think people I should think be talking much. to their politicians? Like, yeah, what's the message they should tell them? The first step, you know, they're having hearings. They've had some hearings already on on Capitol Hill about the safety of artificial intelligence. So, make that part of you know. First of all, get 
my book or, or our final invention or get one of the others and get and learn about the the some of the some of the scary things about AI and then put that on your on your legislative agenda. Put that when you when you write your congressman when you think about voting. Make sure your congressman's got a stance on that. Make sure your senator's got a stance on artificial intelligence development. Excellent. Okay. Good advice. And I do recommend to everybody to get the book. It's our final invention. You can get it and you can find it anywhere. Uh, audiobook version is great. Did you decide to get the guy to read that with a like a computer robotic almost voice? I thought that was a, a neat touch to the, the style of I did reading not, there. I did not. I did not. I did uh, not. That was not my idea. And I'm afraid I, 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 I would have. Uh, I, I would have probably chosen a human because it kind of misses the point. Yeah, well, it's really interesting I, from the get go. It's like, wow, it feels like a computer is t- telling me this. It made it I almost know. creepy. I, I love it. I can't <laughs> say I wasn't happy with that choice. <laughs> I was interested to ask you that then, but the, but I thought it made it a nice touch. So I enjoyed the the audio book okay. very much. Sure. So w- whatever your yeah. audio book or regular book, I, I recommend everybody get this one. And thank you for your time today, James. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. JabberjawMedia.com. Shh. You've taken this too far. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Devin from Emory. I just wanted to let you know that we got a new jam available today. Go follow us on Spotify. And you'll see the two singles that we have out for you to listen to. And don't forget, November 17th, the full album will be available anywhere you listen to music. Revival. Classics Reimagined. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on... Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.